Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Radio Redux with your host here, me, Kevin, hello. Welcome, please make sure you've got your ticket with you, uh, make sure you're careful as you go down the aisle, don't disturb any of the other patrons of our establishment and uh, please make your way to your seat because the show is indeed about to begin. We are here with a special Radio Redux show, one of several which I'll be dotting around here and there throughout the next well, rest of the year, I'd imagine. Because if you were listening the last time we had a Radio Redux show, that would be show 228, where we discussed the wonders of the Nintendo Direct that had just occurred that very week. One of the things that I alluded to but then didn't go into was the topic of the Mario movie. And we can only call it the Mario movie at the minute because it doesn't have a title. In fact, if you check it out on IMDb, it's something along the lines of Untitled Illumination Entertainment Project. But everyone's just calling it Untitled Mario movie at the minute, which I guess is the equivalent of the Unfinished Swan. Or, you know, un. Titled Goose Game. Hopefully Mario isn't going around terrifying any small gardeners. Um, but yes, uh, it's it's an interesting one. And uh, I, I want to get into it. But yes, this is indeed a show all about the wonders 
of video game adaptations. Specifically those that found their way into film, feature film, director video, what have you, but you know, a feature event. I'm not talking about ones that, you know, do like a series of spin-offs. We're not going into like like the DC type area here, but we're talking, you know, I almost said the word classic, but franchises like, you know, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter who've had feature films. Uh, there's been games like Doom that have had a feature film. We've had um obviously the, there's the Sonic the Hedgehog movie there, but there's ones like Double Dragon that have had movies. Uh we've had uh, weird titles um that you probably wouldn't even think of as having movies that have done so do you count Dungeons and Dragons in there I mean that's kind of up to you really um but at least it's about a Dungeons and Dragons movie the better for now though um before we get into things uh here's a taste of actually you know what he says it better and now for a taste of things to come.
I hope you remember to use the element which brings life. That was, uh, first of all, A Taste of Things to Come, and immediately followed by Lou vs. Sub-Zero from the first Mortal Kombat film from back in 1995. Both of them composed by George S. Clinton. Now, when I played those, I'm guessing you probably thought uh, I was going to play the Mortal Kombat theme. The Immortals was going to start blaring out, Test your might. And that leads me quite nicely into uh, one of the reasons I'm doing this, is that there is a difference between what's being done here, which is uh, instrumental pieces. So there is a difference between a soundtrack to something and a score to something. Now, you guys who are listening to some Radio Sega will know that historically Sega have tended to uh, release vocal collections, which would be the soundtrack, and then then there'd be a sort of a much bigger collection of instrumentals, and and that would realistically be the score. I mean, um, uh, Sonic and the Black Knight's a good example of this because we had like Tales of Knighthood and Tales of something else, and Tales of Vespia, and I don't know, but. Uh, but that's a good example. Now, back in the 90s, it was much more prevalent to have, when releasing on CD, you'd have two releases. They would be combined. Uh, you would uh, They would be combined at a later date, but at that time, you would have a vocal soundtrack and you would have an instrumental soundtrack and the vocal soundtrack would maybe have a couple of tracks usually dubbed as bonus tracks that would be from the instrumental side just to sort of sort of round it off if you like but uh, films like the matrix had uh, two soundtracks so if you've got the matrix soundtrack at home on cd uh, you've probably got funnily enough the <laughs> The one with Rage Against the Machine on it, and not, you know, tracks about actually raging against machines um, with a nice instrumental. But there, that's the case. There was a score, and then there was an instrumental. Now, those tracks actually... Uh, a Taste of Things to Come is the introductory track to the, the soundtrack. I have the Mortal Kombat soundtrack actually in my hand. Uh, a Taste of Things to Come is indeed got asterisks next to it saying oh this is the bonus track and it's from the original score by george s clinton um if i remember rightly the uh, score cd gives up give you an example because the scores never really sold that well people got confused because when people was like a soundtrack and you went to a soundtrack section of a music shop um and you saw it you're like oh okay that's it but not necessarily it might be the score so to give you an example, if you wanted to get the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, um, you could probably get a pre-owned copy for maybe like a tenner or something. But the uh, actual score CD would probably cost you a lot more. In fact, it does cost you a lot more. It costs you pretty much double uh, if you're lucky. And uh, I think, if I remember rightly, uh, the front and back covers are flipped on the Mortal Kombat uh, CD. But yes, uh, George S. Clinton was responsible for those two tracks. And it leads us nicely, as I put that back on my little shelf next to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, because, oh yeah, I got that too. 
Um, we've got uh, leads us on, let's say, to uh, well, well, basically, actually, back to Mario. Let's do that because the Mario uh, film had a instrumental soundtrack. Because obviously there's lots of bits and pieces between big setups and and things where there's music in the background to set the mood. Um, For Mario, uh, that was actually composed by uh, Alan Silvestri. And Alan Silvestri has done many things. He's had an exceptionally long career. He's worked on films like uh, the Back to the Future trilogy. He worked on uh, Avengers and Avengers Endgame. He's worked on the first three Night of the Museum films. Things like Castaway and uh, Long Kiss Goodnight and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And the one that I always remember is him doing that fantastic score for Flight of the Navigator, which I'm guessing Disney will remake for Disney Plus at some point and ruin it spectacularly. But never mind that. He, like I say, he did the uh, music for this and he actually replaced uh, Jerry Goldsmith, I believe. Well, I'm just check that up and by the power of editing i will yes confirm that um he eventually replaces a whole bunch of people um as doing just various bits of score work uh, forrest gump did i mention forrest gump yes he did the music to forrest gump won the academy award for it you know he's quite good he also did the music to super mario brothers the movie so um again that had a cd full of you know big hits of the time which have dated terribly and then there's this which doesn't date this is actually from uh relatively early in the soundtrack I think it's like track three or something uh, and it's called the mario brothers invite daisy to do what i don't know i can't remember the plot of the film That reminds me quite a lot of the music from the film Mouse Hunt, which Kel Surprise, Alan Silvestri worked on. Now, um, let's talk about the, the movie, shall we? I mean, I personally have no problem about Illumination doing it. 
if you're gonna do if you're not gonna do DreamWorks and you're not gonna do Disney and Nintendo are no freaking way you're gonna go do Disney um, or Netflix apparently uh, then Illumination's a really good bet they've got a very good history and I know people are gonna mention the Minions because yes but it's made them a lot of money and will continue to make them lots of money and let's not ignore, you know, the rest of the films that Illumination have made, which includes Sing. And Sing is one of my favourite films ever. I am very excited for Sing too. Very excited. Unreasonably so. So, uh, who's who's doing this again? I, I know we've got uh, Mr. Black, who is doing... He's the voice of Bowser... We've got Chris Pratt, who's the voice of, uh, <laughs> just uh Chris Pratt is the voice of Mario for some goddamn reason. Um, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is going to be Luigi. Uh, Seth Rogen is going to be in it as Donkey Kong, and at that point. It already lost me, but Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, no. The, the, the fact that Cranky Kong's in it is great news, but I'm sorry, this is... Not even Keegan-Michael Key can save this freaking thing for me. <laughs> and he's playing Toad, and my God, that's going to be horrendous to listen to. Um, yeah, this is all got... And you've got Anna Taylor-Joy, you know, from The Queen's Gambit, who's going to be Peach. Actually, I quite like that bit of casting, but it's literally the only piece of casting <laughs> that uh, I could wait for this. You know, Sing too. I can't wait for Mario. I can wait for. Um, I can wait for it for a very, very, very long time. You know. Uh, the Sonic movie never did anything for me in terms of interesting, made it interesting to me. And I'm a big Jim Carrey fan. This does less. And that's impressive. <laughs> that's impressive. Look, I just want to hear Bono play a really traumatised lion suffering from bereavement issues, okay? Bring me that. And just stick this in you know a cinema at you know Mar- the actual Maryland theme park as a thing you go to please <laughs> also first two despicable me movies really really good just saying let's get back to music shall we the joys of music and uh, a little bit of a change of pace here, but we are going to hit you with a nice double. In fact, we're going into uh, a very different type of genre and a very different type of music for that matter. And we are going to enjoy two pieces by Chan Kwong Wing, who is the composer on the movie initial d now in this situation we've got 
sort of one track following another very deliberately. The first track is called The Racer's Dream, and the second is called Lost in Hell. Imagine you finally get to race your car, and then imagine the car fails. To have the dream, and then have it taken away from you. For 15 years, bringing you the best in video game music, this is Radio Redux.
that was Lost in Hell. And before that, we had A Racer's Dream, both from the initial D movie. Yes, welcome back to Radio Redux, where we bring you music from video game adaptations, quite literally made in Hong Kong. Speaking of Asia, actually, we are going to China for our next track because it's called Arrival in China. It's also another Alan Silvestri track and it's from the second Tomb Raider movie, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. That's coming up right now. Was it really 2003 when that film came out? Crazy. Sadly, never really interested in the Tomb Raider franchise as a whole, if I'm honest. And even the appearance of Chris Barry in that as Angelina Jolie's butler, as well as the first film. Yeah, didn't didn't, didn't do anything for me, unfortunately. But uh, the music... The music there, more Alan Silvestri, and it's always nice to hear, like I say, Arrival in China from Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Let's bring things forward, shall we, to something that's a little bit more recent, and a track by Henry Jackman coming up next. Now, Henry Jackman has worked, uh, or he's also worked within the realms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, having done the music for... Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier and Civil War. Uh, he's worked on both the Wreck-It Ralph films. He's done films such as uh, Kick-Ass. And, uh, he's even worked on video games themselves, actually. Did some stuff for Uncharted 4. Uh, as well as Disney Infinity. The 2.0 version. Did some stuff on Just Cause 3. He even worked on Colin McRae Dirt, of all things. And... Yes, you can add in there some uh, other stuff that's sort of in that 
realm of video games as well in terms of in terms of the sound because Jumanji the next level obviously it's essentially a game about being in a game sorry a movie about being in a game so you've got that uh there's like I say, a couple of other ones as well and in 2019 he did the music for detective pikachu That was Rhyme City. And the beginning of it was actually very much um, in sound, very akin to Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield, also known as that piece of music from The Exorcist that you can never remember its name. But that was quite a recent example of a Hollywood adaptation of a video game and Detective Pikachu of course is not in any way shape or form really what you would choose uh, if you were a fan to do an adaption of Pokemon of course though has had many many different movie related adaptions all in the realm of animation we're not going to go to those today but we um, I, mean, I mean to be honest we're kind of spoiled for choice when it comes to video games, there's been there's been like I say all sorts. After all, Warcraft's had a movie. Uh, we've had multiple Hitmen movies. Need for Speed had a movie. Uh, so many Resident Evil movies. I don't even know where to begin for that. Uh, Silent Hill had a movie. House of the Dead obviously had a movie, and you get to ones like I mean, there's just 
crazy things like like Max Payne having a movie and Postal having a movie. Honestly, Postal of all things. I wouldn't put a track from Postal in this. Would I? Yes, I'm afraid we um, we've reached the first Dewey Bowl film. That was from the 2007 adaption of the video game Postal, which naturally, because it's Dewey Bowl film, was randomly turned into an American German satirical action comedy. The track itself was called Ground Zeroes and was composed by Jessica De Rouge. And I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Uh, it's R-O-O-I-J is the name. And uh, she naturally is one of those people that Ball keeps going to. Um, she's done In the Name of the King, which is a tale... Or it says, actually, it's In the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale. Yes, Dungeon Siege has had a movie. As has Blood Rain. In fact, uh, she worked on Blood Rain 2. The Alone in the Dark film. Well, she worked on the video for it. She did some some music for that. And the movie for Far Cry. And the movie for Rampage. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's quite a collection. But the music... Music's fine. Music, we like to sit back and enjoy. Of course, that's rather the lower end of video game adaptions. There were instances, of course, when Hollywood and the uh, various media powerhouses really tried to get behind video game movies in general. It was there was this period where it was it was pre pre comic book movies having such a, a big massive fraud. And they were sort of still trying to find their feet. But video game movies... No, video, a video game movie will definitely, definitely work. It'll definitely work. And one of the films that there was a lot of hope for, and a lot of hope for, oh my god, the amount of money spent on it, was Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. This track is from that. It's by Elliot Goldenfall, and it's called Dead Rain. Can you even remember Final Fantasy The Spirits Within? No, neither can I. Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. At the time, it was considered a big, massive landmark within computer-generated animation. Strange to think that, isn't it, really, now, when you look back and you think about Pixar and things like that, but in all seriousness, in terms of facial technology, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within... Unleash a new reality... Some 20 years later, it probably should get a lot more credit than it really does now. It's effectively forgotten. If you talk to somebody about, oh yeah, the Final Fantasy movie, they'll probably think you're talking about Advent Children, which is far, far better. 
by a long way. Yeah, Final Fantasy, it, it was a very troubled, very troubled movie as it happens. I mean, let, let's ignore the fact that the story was really dull. Like I say, you probably can't even remember what even happened in it. But the fact that, you know, it ignored pretty much a lot of stuff and connotations that were established within the Final Fantasy series, it was all new people and new characters. It wasn't anybody that what you knew it wasn't anything that was adapted from the video games necessarily it was like it was almost an inspired game but so yeah it, but it ignored all previous final fantasy games essentially and by two even by 2001 that's quite a freaking lot you then go on to the fact that um because of how detailed it was the costs kept rising so it actually went over budget by nearly 50 million 50 million dollars which brought it up to about 180 million dollars in terms of the amount of money that they spent on it and then it proceeded to only make 85 million at the box office globally this was an unmitigated disaster and the company that made it which was um who was it It was uh square pictures so square soft's cinema division Killed it. Killed it stone dead. There was so much marketing spend at the time as well on this particular film. Wherever you went, or wherever (laughs) you were walking down the street, um, you were assaulted by Final Fantasy-related tie-ins. There was billboards everywhere. It was slapped on the side of any bus that had wheels. It really was. Um, And that was the end of that. Final Fantasy, again, until Advent Children. And then that wasn't even a that wasn't even adaption either. That was natural sort of like a like an epilogue adventure, a coda to uh Final Fantasy seven. But funnily enough, you had characters that you knew and could get invested in. As opposed to oh look, she's got a pretty face. Another bit of a genre shift here now, and we're going to go to one of the films I actually mentioned earlier in passing, Doom. Doom's adaption. Not exactly the number one pick of video game adaptions. Even among Rebellion. (laughs) The best thing that that movie has actually produced was the Rebellion Twitter account giving a bit of an admonishment to uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson after he gave a bit of an admonishment, this is a couple of years ago now, um, about the quality of the film. (laughs) That's literally the best thing, but it was a uh, soundtrack that was crafted by Clint Mansell, who is, as well as being the former lead singer of the band Pop Will Eat Itself, he has been... Uh, a composer who has been growing in stature over the years. The amount of films that he's actually done, this uh, English musician originally from Coventry, is very impressive. Very impressive. Um, The uh, soundtrack to Requiem for a Dream, to Murder by Numbers, to Sahara, 
which came out in the same year as Doom. You have uh, films like uh, The Wrestler, he did the soundtrack for. Moon, a fantastic atmospheric film, Moon. And uh, also Black Swan, uh, which obviously netted him a huge amount of awards um actually didn't be actually award nominations not many for best score in terms of victories um but that and man down and ghost in the shell and uh and and loads of others um but uh he's also done stuff for csi Miami and Black Mirror and uh, Doom Patrol and Titans in the DC universe. Also, Peacemaker. He's actually one of the co uh, composers for Peacemaker, which is the series spinning out of the new Suicide Squad film with John Cena in uh, that role. So, and that's coming next year. Uh, but. Yeah, we're going to go into Doom. This is the appropriately named track First Person Shooter. And don't quote me, but but this might be the bit in the film where it actually does go first person and mimics the actual Doom video game style. But don't quote me on it, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, whatever the case, here's some Doom. On iTunes, Spotify and Radio Sega, you're listening to Radio Redux.
Clint Mansell with First Person Shooter from the soundtrack to the movie Doom. I've actually been looking through the Wikipedia page for video game related movie adaptions and there's... Did you know there's like tons coming? Really? Video games are going to be the next big thing and not even pixels can stop that happening apparently. Um, We've got... Okay, this this is the list uh, of those coming, starting with Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, which is coming November 24th, apparently. So, literally a month away as of the time of recording. Then you've got the f- film for Uncharted, which is going to be the next big one, I suspect. You've got Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, you've got a film for Borderlands. No one knows when that's coming yet, but that's coming out via Lionsgate Films. You've got a film for Crossfire. There's the Detective Pikachu sequel. There's a Five Nights at Freddy's film. Expect that to arrive Halloween 2020X. There's a Gears of War film that's kicking around in the minute with Universal. You've got uh, there's a Ghost of Tsushima film that's been greenlit. There's uh, Just Cause kicking around. Just Dance, for some freaking reason, is getting a film. Ubisoft wants money, I guess. Mega Man's coming out via Netflix at some point. There's a Minecraft film in the works with Warner Brothers. Uh, Metal Gear Solid obviously is getting one via Sony. There's a Rabbids project which is going to happen. Because, I don't know. And presumably this this all ends up and then we get like this Freddy vs. Jason terror of just... Rabbids versus Minions, I assume. It's the only thing that can happen at the end of all of this. But there's Space Invaders. Space Invaders got signed up from Taito to Warner Brothers uh, a long time ago. That's been kicking around. We've got Tomb Raider Obsidian, because, yeah, that's got to keep going too. Uh, And both Saints Row and Yakuza have got film projects. Hollywood theatrical film projects kicking around uh although neither of those have actually uh got a distributor as of yet there's no there's no film partner for either deep silver or sega sammy for those two it's funny though because of all of the various video game related projects very few are actually animated funnily enough uh i mean final fantasy spirits of in is We'll ignore um, the uh, other ones that have been sort of various, you know, straight to adaptions. Actual theatrical ones, theatrical distributed projects here. It's Final Fantasy Spirits of In, Ratchet and Clank, the two Angry Bird films, the upcoming Mario film. That's it. That's it for Hollywood. Animated video game films. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. And that's not even getting into all the stuff which goes on in Japan. Now, obviously, Japan animated, well, we've got a freaking big list there. 
most of which is effectively dominated by Fate Stay Night films and Pokemon films. And thinking about it, you could probably put Digimon in the the Hollywood one, but in the end, isn't that like three feature episodes crammed together? It's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Of course, there's a whole world of Japanese live action to go into, probably, at some point. Um, and bizarrely, most of that's horror-related. And then, of course, there's just randomly in the middle of it, Ace Attorney. We're going to go on now to a video game series which had a movie adaption it's a video game series that again it's another one of these that should get a lot more love than it probably does um, because everyone's forgotten it but wing commander did so freaking much for video games and making them more than just beeps and boops not just talking about obviously not putting music to to one side for a minute in terms of story, in terms of presentation in terms of the art of a video game and the making of one Wing Commander is something that definitely needs to be looked at at some point in time, hopefully on a show like Hidden Palace but it would be good to go and go into this later on down the line and looking at the clock, it's also where I've got to leave you for today, I'm afraid. Yes, our little cinema is closing for this week. We'll be back with more Radio Redux down the line. Up next, if you're listening on Radio Sega, it's Rexy with some Sega Mixer Drive. Until the next time the LMC block brings you some Radio Redux fun, this is Kevin Kiner's overture to Wing Commander. Bye, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.